Welcome back. Um, yeah. Hello, Bruce. Andy! Uh, how you doing? Great! I'm bringing the heat tonight. Thank you. I, uh, am exhausted. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but, you know, I got my little cat Frankie here, and, uh... You know what? I think he's in for a little surprise for this episode. I think so. Um, let's get right into it. You bet. Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I am Groot. No, Bruce. Sorry. Oh, thought we had a special guest today. But, uh, welcome to this episode, episode 53. Mm-hmm. 50. It's, it, it is <laughs> definitively 53. All right. Um, which means it's time for a deck tale. Um... Particularly appropriate for this deck. Yeah, you know, with with uh, trying to keep keep our season in order, we decided to choose a sixty card deck uh, because I find Bruce's sixty card decks fascinating. Uh, they've got a little bit of commander flair in terms of uh, personal. Uh, what's the word? Uh, flair. <laughs> um, Sounds good. <laughs> they they feel creative in ways that uh, deck building should feel. Uh, they are generally honed toward a multiplayer experience and uh, do some crazy commander like things. Yeah, it's it's very easy to play a sixty card a casual sixty card deck and just build it to a combo, or yeah. you know because. You got four copies, and you can just be like, okay, this is the combo. I need to do this, and when I do this, I can win the game, so I'm going to do that. And that just is fun a couple of times, and then it starts to get boring. So I've tried not to do that, and I come from an era where I didn't have enough <laughs> cards to build a combo anyway. I never had four copies of something. So it was always, my decks were always uh, what I like to term miniature versions of you know a current low-powered commander deck it was oh, a bunch yeah, of one definitely. a bunch of one-offs with that had a sort of a theme but you know and then you just played it yeah and so like this deck uh this deck in particular i i love uh and always come back to when i when i think about 60 card decks uh because it it sticks very close to that theme it does things not necessarily underpowered like I, I would think that I, I personally think that this deck is finely tuned, specifically for our meta. But it, it, uh, I've rarely seen this deck win the same way twice. It does. It generally has. It, it, it has flexible pieces. Yeah. Uh, and it uses those to, uh, the best ability it can. It's for those uh, wondering. I guess I'll just uh, the the cat's out of the bag. It's a green white deck based around the card Hungry Lynx. Uh, Hungry Lynx, for those who don't know, is one in a green. Creature, cat. Yeah. That's right, Frankie. Nice timing. Yeah, my god. Uh, He's a 2-2. He says, cats you control have protection from rats. Uh, At the beginning of your end step, target opponent creates a 1-1 black 
Rat Creature Token with Death Touch. Whenever a rat dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on each cat you control. Uh, so this is uh, lovingly dubbed your cat rat deck. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, what 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 inspired you to go for specifically this card? Okay, this was a card I got to, I got to preview. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say me. I got to preview it. I'm sure I, it was with a group of uh, other TCG player writers. There was a video. There was other stuff done, um, and I was very interested in the card. Uh, and in fact, the good folks at TCG Player were good enough to do a uh, a spoof on Dr. Seuss, and we called it "Cat with a Rat." The article is uh, is worth checking out. I'll make sure that we've got it posted in the in the link, just because I I follow along with Doctor with the Dr. Seuss rhyming rhyming scheme for probably a little longer than I should have. But in any event, um, I built it when I was looking at it. There, I looked at it, and I mean. Sure, we were looking at it from a commander perspective, and then I thought, you know, four of these could do some nasty work, because if you can get two of them out at the same time and then kill one rat, all of your cats are getting two plus one plus one counters, because they get one from each. And I thought, this has got to be, there's got to be something here. There's just got Mm -hmm. to. And I started looking at stuff, and initially I started with green-black, because I was looking at pestilence, thinking... Yeah, you know, I can get four or five rats out there and then pestilence for one, it kills all the rats. My cats will get huge from all the dead rats and then I can just hammer my way in and it would be an interesting setup. And, uh, it, you know, it was cute, but uh, I ended up going in a different way and trying something a little bit different with the idea that um, the initial focus of this deck was... Uh, find ways to do a point of damage to to a rat and then my cats would get mm. a little bigger and you could make that work and i think ideally what i was looking for were just big cats um i just wanted to swing in with a with with large cats um that's where the serrated arrows comes in and also the hank you which is there because i don't have four serrated arrows but because uh, <laughs> hank you is just a lousy card but it does exactly what I want it to do. Um, it just takes a long time to do it. So, um, yeah. But that was that was the the original idea for the deck is give out rats, plink you know ping a rat with either the arrows or hank you. Your cats get a little bigger, and then you just overwhelm with combat damage. That was that was the initial idea. Of the deck. Yeah. Yeah, and then I started putting other stuff together. And that's when other things started to fall into place because I used Nakata Warpride because, hey, cats, and there will, there will be lots of them because, you know, you'll make all these cats. And I thought that would be great. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to make all these cats, you know what would also be good? If I were to use uh, Ashnod's Altar because then mm. I could sacrifice all of these token cats that don't stick around for very long and get all this mana and I could cast more spells. And that would be great. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it turns out I didn't happen to have any Ashnod's altars left that yeah. weren't already in decks. And at you know, ten bucks a card, it's you know adds up. Right. So and like, what? Do you, and then also, I mean, beyond that, like if you look at the the curve of this deck, it's fairly low. Um, yeah. It. Uh, so like, you know, at some point, it's like, what are you going to do with all that mana? Uh, especially if you're creating these tokens turn after turn. Right. And my thought was White Sun Zenith. 
But realistically, there's three of them in the deck. And mm -hmm. if, if you're using the altar, then how are you, you know, how does that, how does that work? Because, you're, right. you know, you need to be able to, to do this repeatedly and you're talking every turn and, you know, you're rarely ever going to have more than two of White Sun Zenith in your hand. So, yeah. Um, so instead, I went with Altar of Dementia and by sheer fluke discovered a whole new weird level for this deck. So. Mm. Altar of Dementia, for those who don't know. Uh, it's a two-mana artifact, similar to most altars. Uh, sac free sac Sacrifice creature. Target player puts a number of cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power from the top of their library into their graveyard. So essentially, right. sac a creature, look at the power, they mail that many. Um, which, you know, uh, very great, uh, as you'll see mm -hmm. later in this episode. Um where we talk about the crazy things that this deck does. Right. Um, I appreciate the, I, like, I mean, you look at this, this, this curve, like I was saying, um, it, it fairly tops out at four. And that's like, you've got five, four cost cards. Yeah. Um, and above that, like, sure, you have a couple, but like, they're not these, the, the ne necessary pieces that make this engine go. Um, no. Uh, you know, you've got Marari's Wake at five, but like that, you know, buffs your creatures, which is great. It's yeah. exactly what Green White wants, and it produces more mana, which is also great. Yeah. Which is exactly what Green White wants. Um, but it's it's interesting too because I've seen this deck played many times, uh, and there are cards in this deck that I have still yet to see. Uh, which cards haven't you seen? I don't think I've ever seen Nizan played. Okay. Uh, Nizan Revered yeah, Bladesmith is four, four green white, five four. When it enters the battlefield, tutor for an equipment. If it's the Hammer of Nizan, you can reveal it and put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, you put the equipment into your hand, and then you shuffle. Uh, and whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, you may tap target creature defending player controls, which super helpful, yeah. but not necessarily like. No, I... like pinpointed the the uh, the goal of this deck, right? Uh, but it is it is like it is just more value to uh, kind of help along the 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 rest of the deck, right? I mean, Nizan is there to search out for Blade of Selves or Helm of the Host mm -hmm. because for a long time I felt like these were a couple of the key cards in the deck uh, because they could make copies of a card and ideally they would make copies of of your hungry links or mm -hmm. copies of nakato war pride uh, and then you know all sorts of craziness ensues at that point so yeah because um, there's nothing like getting uh having nakato war pride swing at all of your opponents as opposed hmm. to just one of them and then getting that many more tokens token yeah cats. so um <clears throat> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read the card word for word but uh, Nakato War Pride is a very significant part of this deck, where uh, you you attack. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I veer off at all. Uh, no. You attack a, you attack an opponent uh, before uh, blocks are declared. Uh, you count every single one of their creatures. You make that many copies of Nakato War Pride. Yes. Um, plus one, or no? You make 
You make that you make many that copies, many copies because then so, you have one extra. Right. So you have one. You have one more creature. Ideal. Like if this was the only thing you had, you have one more creature than they had. Uh, so at least one will be getting through. Uh, at the end of combat, all the copies will. Or no, at the end of the turn, uh, you exile the, the tokens. Um, yeah. Now, a key part with the Nakata War Pride is that it must be blocked by exactly one creature if able. So if oh, all yes, of their creatures, that is important. <laughs> so if all their creatures are untapped, every one of those creatures has to block one Nakata War Pride. Now, the War Pride is a 3-3. All the tokens that you make are all 3-3s. So, yeah, a bunch of them are probably going to die. But a lot of them are going to kill off your opponent's creatures. So then they're left, mm. if they want to keep their creature alive, maybe they want to tap it. Okay, then they tap it. Well, it means that there's one more of your of your cat warriors that's going to get through and do damage. Um, and as we'll see, uh, they're, they're not going to be 3-3s. Three <laughs> that's not how this deck works. I have a question yeah. for you for general interaction. Kasali Pride <laughs> Mage has exalted... Yes. Uh, say you attack with just the Nakata War Pride. So obviously it triggers. It's a four-four. Uh, whenever a creature Exalted says whenever a creature you control attacks alone, that creature gets a plus one plus one until end of turn. So you can you can stack the triggers so that it becomes a four-four before you make the copies. When you make the copies, are those copies four fours? I have no idea. Hmm. Um, to be honest, the Kasali Pride Mage. Uh, this deck yeah. is never, unless it's the first two turns of the game, this deck is not going to swing, or it's not designed to swing with one cat. Uh, right. I mean, Skyhunter Patrol is there, Skyhunter Skirmisher are there, mostly because I wanted some flying creatures, and every once in a while, maybe they'll get the Exalted bonus. But realistically, the Pride Mages are in there, because you can sack them to destroy an artifact or enchantment. Yeah. And I really appreciate cat the... Dies. Yeah, exactly. I really appreciate the uh, the sticking to the theme here. I mean, you've got these these cat creatures that I've seen solely in this deck. Mm -hmm. uh, Kasali Slingers, for instance. Uh, whenever it or another cat enters a battlefield under your control, you may destroy target, artifact, or enchantment. That's essentially uh, aura shards on a cat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, Hank you and Serrated Arrows are fine. Uh, Hank you and Serrated they're... Arrows are there to get things started, if needed. It's I just love how much like it is so specific to the theme. Yeah. Um, even to the point of the 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 removal is 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 stapled onto a cat. Uh, but uh, you know, you said earlier. Um, you know, it, the I mean, earlier it was like a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the pride mage it, it it triggers something, right? Like you said, it's another cat that dies. But right. if you'll notice, uh, the links, links doesn't is say when it's it's when a rat dies. Right. So uh, which now the cats all have protection from rats. So the idea is that in a one on one game, you're going to swing at your opponent, and at some point, or they're going to. Essentially, those rats, they can't block. And if they swing at you, you can block the rat. It, mm. You don't take any damage, even in spite of the fact that they're death touch. So essentially, those rats are completely null and void against you. In fact, but against the other opponents. 
it's a 1-1 death touch. So if you give it to an opponent, one, there's there's an element of, of politics there. It's like, here, I'm going to help you out. Uh, it's a 1-1 death touch, which means no one's going to swing at you on the ground because mm-hmm. who wants to lose their creature? And my attitude is, you know what? If somebody does swing at you and you want to use that rat, you go right ahead. Because if my cats get bigger, and I'll happily give you another one. So there's a benefit there. But realistically, uh, I mean, we're slow rolling the deck on this one point. Uh, the yeah. other card, the other card that's in here, is Shields of Velisvel. Now, Shields of Velisvel is a it's an instant. It's a tribal instant shapeshifter, and it has changelings, so it is all creature types. So, it, in fact, it is also a cat. That's really not relevant. Um, <laughs> however, it says, Creatures target player controls gets, get plus zero, plus one, and gain all creature types until the end of the turn. <clears throat> so, when I first built the deck, I put this in here because I'm like, this is great. Before my attack, hit. I hit my opponent with this. All your creatures are rats. Which means I have protection from rats because all my creatures are cats. So then I swing in and you can't block and you have to take all the damage. And I thought, how awesome is this? This is going to be great. I'll put this in here. I'll run this, you know, I'll run this all the time. It'll be wonderful. And then on one of the games, I had a mirror entity out. And mirror entity, yeah, says uh, has an activated ability of X uh, until... End of turn creatures you control have base power and toughness XX and gain all creature types. Um, so you, I, know, you put this as one and uh, everything becomes cats, rats, dogs, yeah, uh, warriors, everything, etc. Yeah. So my thought of obviously with mirror entity was great. It ups the base power and toughness. So if my cats all have three plus one plus one counters on it, they're five fives because most of the cats are two twos. Mm-hmm. Well, then with mirror entity out. I'll take the five or six mana I have on the table, tap it all, put it into Mirror Entity, and now suddenly they're all base 5-5 five five or base 6-6, six six, mm. plus all those counters. And I thought, how amazing is this going to be? And then I went to, and then you go to swing at somebody, you know, and I've got all these cat rats. Well, I swung, and then somebody blocked one of my cards. And I thought, well, if it's going to die anyway, I should hmm. just... I can just sack it to the altar of dementia. And then they can, they're going to have to mill at the time. It was six cards. Great. They milled six cards. And then it was like, oh, wait. But that wasn't just a cat that died. It was also a rat that died. So now all my other creatures got a plus one, plus one counter. And then I'm looking at the From map, the hungry lynx, yeah. From the hungry lynx. And then I'm looking at the math again. And now I'm like, wow, okay. Now suddenly a bunch of my creatures that I thought were going to die aren't dying great and then i sacked another one and they all got another plus one plus one counter and that opponent then milled seven cards (laughs) instead of six and then the combat was finished and i've got all of this all these creatures that are pretty sizable but they're all still rats and i thought every time i sack one of these all my other cats are gonna all my other cat rats are gonna get bigger which yeah, means I can then... Just all it. of your creatures are going to get slightly right. bigger because so they're all cats, they're all rats. Right, so basically what ends up happening is with Altar of Dementia and a Hungry Lynx out and the Shields of Vel as Vel to make all of your creatures cat rats, mm-hmm. when you swing in, 
you sack one of them and mill somebody for that amount. All your other cards get a plus and plus one counter. Then you mill another, then you sack another one because it's now bigger than it was before. And all of the mm. other cats get a little bigger. So in the end, if you're swinging with six, two, two cats, you mill the first one, person mills two, and all your other cats become three threes. The next one you're milling three, the next one you're milling four, the next one you're milling five, and it goes up from there. And this can all be done after combat. Oh, yeah. So Especially, you, yeah, especially with the, uh, the, the, the Nakata War Pride. Right. Where you're like you're losing the tokens anyway might as well like and the thing yeah. is is if you don't sacrifice them they get exiled so then it won't trigger the death it'll just uh you like you'll you'll need to have that sack outlet for sure right um so nakata war pride makes a bunch of three three cats so if i have three opponents well actually that's not fair because then that that involves a whole nother card but if I swing the War Pride at an opponent who has five cards, or five mm-hmm. creatures, I get five 3-3 three, three cats. Now, if they're all cat rats, I mean, I swing in any one of them that's going to get blocked and not, do con- and not do damage to the opponent's face, I'll sacrifice that one. But I do it one at a time after, after uh, <clears throat> blockers have been declared. Mm-hmm. Sack those ones down because it makes all the other cats that get through bigger. Yeah. Then do the damage. After the damage is dealt, then take all of the cats that were going to die, the ones that you made with the War Pride, sack all of them to the Altar Dementia one at a time because all your other cats are getting bigger every time. And you're not going after the person you just did, you know, 13 damage to. You're going after the <laughs> other guy who's sitting there at, you know, 65 life because no one's been able to get through. And now you're hitting him for milling five cards, six cards, seven cards, eight cards. Uh, you know, it doesn't... Yeah, it, it, it adds up to 60 real fast. It, it really doesn't take long. It really doesn't. And uh, when you recognize that, that this could very well be the kill move, uh, you can just sack out your creatures. Just wipe yeah. your board clean and do ridiculous amounts of damage. So, or, especially sorry, when ridicu- you you can cause ridiculous amounts of milling to, to yeah. mill them out. And we are talking about sixty card decks here, not one hundred card decks. So right, it makes it just that much easier. I, I love it too because uh, it's like you know you're going to be milling, like you said, you're going to be milling a different person than you're doing damage to because if you're doing both to the same person, it doesn't really make much sense. You're, you're... Yeah, you're doubling up for no reason. Um, but then you add in things like Blade of Selves, where like you know you'll you go to combat, you attack with say like the Blade of Selves on the the uh, the Nakata War Pride. Yeah. You make a copy for each person, and then you make uh, a copy yes. of it for each creature, and then but, like there there is that moment, and we I mean we've seen it on you know game nights and whatever of like that moment between after damage is done and then before the end of combat where you can because blade of selves is it exiles at the end of combat mm-hmm. really it's just those two first copies that are exiled at the end of combat but you can sack those th- at that point uh and it it just gets wild it's just so many numbers that like um 
I love it because yeah. it's just like nobody loves being milled out, but uh, it is such a specific like. I've seen this happen so many times. Yeah. This um, isn't this isn't your traditional mill deck. A mill no. deck hits you and hits you and hits you and hits you, or then starts a trickle. So you're always losing a couple of cards out of your library. Right. And then, you know, and then it has a way to do a big chunk, and then it goes from there. This deck, it just, it's all at once. And, mm. you know, if I, a lot of times, if I can swing at somebody twice, somebody else is now dead because I've milled them out. It just, <laughs> it, it takes that little amount of effort. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of my favorite things, too, <clears throat> and maybe we'll talk about this after uh, the break, uh, is that I've seen this deck probably win more from combat than from actually milling. Um, like, yeah. you know, you'll you'll mill maybe a person out if you're lucky. Um, but once this starts going, it is hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and people start focusing on it. And right. then... Uh, <laughs> well, it, but... and, it, and it's interesting because, like you, like you mentioned about the flexibility. I mean, you talk about Blade of Selves and Nakata Warpride, but... Mm. You can put Blade of Selves on on Nizan, mm. and suddenly you're allowed to go and find two pieces of equipment. So you can go find the helm of the host and maybe hank you or you know what whatever other equipment you're looking for or or a hammer. Now, sure, you're going to mm. lose both of those legends immediately, but they still come in and search. So you get that. Um, you can use it on the Hungry Links itself. So you know. You swing, yeah. make three copies of the Hungry Links. Well, now every time you sack a cat rat, all you of your creatures get three plus one plus one counters, and eventually you're going to sack those two Hungry Lynxes because they're mm. just copies that are going to be exiled. So that's two more active, two more cat activations. So yeah, and and with that in mind too, like like because they're token copies, like yeah. you're not you're not as vulnerable to board wipes. I mean, like, you are vulnerable, but, like, you can still build up. If it, Like, I remember reading your article, uh, one of your articles. Yeah. You have two about this deck, or at least about mm-hmm. this card. Um, and one of them was talking about how you don't want to... You want to make sure you don't always put as many Hungry Links onto the board as possible. Uh, because if you come across a board wipe, there's not much reanimation in this deck. No. Uh, if at all. There, there uh, is none. And so, like, you want to be careful that... If you are just making token copies, then great. Uh, like it doesn't like then you get the value without yeah. the uh, issue of losing right. uh, the game. <laughs> but uh, let's quickly turn it over to break. Uh, we'll be back with uh, cool things about this deck, um, what we want to take out, what we want to put in, some yeah. ideas uh, on how to kind of change it. Uh, so we'll be right back. Yep. Um, this episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by tokens. Whether you're denoting it with a card or a piece of paper or a little toy, tokens are a vital importance on your play experience. Here at Temple of the False Pod, we promote all tokens all the time. Tokens, they're little playthings. You know, tokens. And now back to you. 
wow, that was a commercial. It was a, it was a token gesture. Mm. Uh, welcome back. We are talking about Bruce's 60 card cat rat deck here on our very special episode of Deck Tales. Um, where were we? We were talking about uh, how great this deck is, honestly. I, I, I honestly cannot stress enough how much this deck is, like, the cornerstone to which I look at, like, how to build casual decks. Because, like, it it really leans into that that theme <clears throat> aspect of like not being super serious, like not taking itself seriously, but still being somewhat like it can hold its weight. Like it, it really, I rarely see this deck not do its thing. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of times when this deck, this is one of those decks that looks like, or that can look, that can be doing nothing. Right. And then, you know, you get the right card in place and then all of a sudden, it's going. Yeah. And then everybody's like, where did that come from? And you just get this, you know, this ridiculous turn. And suddenly you're, you know, right on the edge of, of pushing the, pushing the game state and making things happen. And then a couple of cards later, you're back on the sidelines again, trying to make something work, but it's still there. And everybody knows it, that there comes a point where it can, you know, you can rebound. Uh, yeah. Because there's, because like you said, there's so many different angles. Like, I mean, I will, you know, I will have a, if I've got the setup with Nakata War Pride, you, you go with that. And then I draw White Sun Zenith. Well, okay. That would make things even more ridiculous than they already are. But. Mm. Especially if you have things like, uh, you know, your, your ramp out, like your Mirari's Wake or. Exactly. Uh, However. You just sit on it. Yeah. Because somebody's going to play mass removal and take out all your cat rats. And you're going to be like, ugh, now I've got nothing. Well, no, you don't. You have White Sun Zenith in hand. So then at the end of, you know, at the end of the last person's turn before yours, you play White Sun Zenith for as much as you can, put out all those cats, and then on your turn, then, you know, then go from there. Maybe at that point you're just... At that point, you're just uh, a standard white, white weenie deck with seven two-two white cats, and you're just going to swing in for damage. Mm. And fine, you can play that angle. Um, you know, it's not like this has to be milling. It's not like this has to be, you know, uh, like the hungry links has to be there so you can get your cats bigger. It, it you just just work right. it all around the around the table and use what you've got. And yeah, you, it's you know, a very flexible puzzle yeah. of like you, like whatever you draw is probably going to help, uh, minus a few things that we'll talk about later. Yeah. But uh, I mean, there's a reason that Hungry Links is the only four of in this deck, um, and I think as long as you have that out, like every turn you'll be at least advancing the board, even if you don't do anything. At the end of your turn, you will be. Advancing the board not, by not only creating more creatures across the table, uh, because you'll be handing people rats, but you'll be uh, directing how people, how, like, you'll be directing threat assessment. 
Uh, people either yes. start looking at you because you're handing out death touchers, uh, or people start looking at like the death tu- the person who's getting all the death touchers, or you're really helping out the table by giving the death touchers to not the person who's like the biggest threat. Right. Um, like it is significantly advancing the game yeah. uh, by just being there. Uh, and it and to me, uh, the hungry links. And, and handing out these death test rats, that's a game within a game for me. Because mm. it, you know, the first one, well, you can look around the board and decide who do you think should get it. But mm. what happens with the next one? Do you start spreading them around? Because I will tell you, if you spread them around to everybody, then suddenly nobody's swinging on the ground. And is that what you want with your deck? And mm. a lot of times I would say, no, that's not what you want. You need, you want opponents to be doing damage to each other so quite often i will pick somebody and give them all of the rats no matter how many come up just because it makes more sense that way now uh you know to be fair that did bite me in the butt the last time we played this because i ended up having uh it turns out for uh for when you've got a bunch of cats who have protection from rats that's great when they're one one death touchers but when they're (laughs) four four death touchers with trample suddenly your protection from rat is not that helpful. So. Yeah, and obviously once there's like a critical mass, like yeah. when they have more death touchers than you do have creatures, then like they'll be getting through. <laughs> um, but also like if you, you know, if you really put all your eggs in that one basket of giving one person all of them, it really shows like, like for instance, that game you're talking about, mm-hmm. it was three of us. Yeah, uh, I was the bigger threat, so you gave our opponent... Uh, yeah. all of the rats um you'll also notice some people have the tendency to just sit on them because they are blockers yeah uh they won't obviously they won't come for you because you're giving them <clears throat> rats and uh you know you have general protection from rats um, right i mean that's if if somebody with a rat is actually attacking you with that rat then they're doing you a favor yeah because they're giving all of your cats a plus one plus one counter you just yeah. block and then your cats all get big so you know but like, I mean, there are going to be board states when that makes sense when you right. can conv- when i can convince an opponent look i'm going to give you a rat can you swing at me so my cats can be bigger so the next time i swing at somebody else yeah i'll, I'll do even more damage but yeah and it, it starts to backfire a little when when the opponent does just end up sitting on them but like even then like great then you're getting value for no downside Mm -hmm. um because if they're not attacking with them they're not dying uh basically you're giving out nothing uh yeah which is good yeah Um, the 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 downside of handing out of handing the rat over to an opponent is you're giving them a one one creature with death touch and you generally you don't want to give them anything um, right. The whole idea is that you're supposed to be finding a way to get rid of that 1-1 one, one death touch so that your cats can get bigger. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it, yeah. it, can, it can be seen as a downside, but for the most part, uh, it rarely is for me just because when it's time to do the big swing, you swing, you know, a lot of times you can just swing at the person who has the death touch rat. It can't block yeah. anyway. So uh, you can do the damage to them and, makes you know work something else out 
yeah, it's a mostly. It, it's funny because it's it's literally just like one line on this card is cats you control have protection from rats. Yeah, but it is so multifaceted in terms of attacking, defending, like simple like turn to turn politics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's great. Uh, all stapled onto a a, a bear essentially. Um, yes, and I think this is kind of where the mirror entity is also also multifaceted in terms of attacking and obviously what we were talking about earlier in the mill strategy, but like you can activate mirror entity literally whenever. Um, Yes. And uh, it's excellent in that aspect because you can activate it after blockers are declared. So if you want to kill whatever blocked or whatever they're blocking with, or if you just, you know, do the math quickly and figure out like, oh, my unblocked creatures can just kill them, then you do that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an excellent. I mean, it's essentially a, 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 a combat trick, but like because it's on a creature, you know, it's not coming out of nowhere. It's harder to to counter. Um, you're just activating an ability, and it's just uh, it's awkward for an opponent to deal with. Mm. Uh, just assuming those four two two cats, those swing in and mirror entity is not attacking; it's just sitting there. Well, how big are those cats going to get? Because they can, you know, if, it depends on how big, how much you can spend on on the mirror entity, and then if you have a way to give them the plus one counter. So if you have that hungry lynx and and the altar of dementia, or you have some way to sacrifice one of these cats well it's very hard to take those four cats and now your opponent is sitting there looking at it with his two creatures trying to decide which you know how to block well okay i blocked two of them well now it's now they've got to figure okay well are those two creatures going to get sacrificed and if they are how many more plus and plus encounters you're going to get at least two more and am I going to get milled on top of this, or is somebody else getting milled? And it just the combat starts getting awkward to figure out, uh, mm. and it becomes very. Uh, and that's and that's with a basic combat where we're talking about four two two creatures. And that's not <laughs> that doesn't ha- that isn't necessarily how this deck works. It's just you get a whole bunch of different right. weird stuff, and you've got plus and plus encounters from some creatures who've been out there longer, and some that haven't been out as long, and. So you've got to try and figure out who you're blocking. You know, it's yeah. like, are you trying to block to kill it? Or are you trying to block to prevent the damage? Because the odds are that creature either isn't going to be there, or it's going to be much bigger than you think it's going to be. Yeah, I think the cool thing too is that, like, say you all of your creatures have plus one, plus one counters, except for one. If you activate Mirror Entity for zero, they all turn into rats, and then that one without the counter dies. So it's like you don't like you don't need a lot of mana for this to be significant, um, because once that rat dies, everything else gets more plus yeah. one plus one counters. Um, granted, if you have a way to pump them up, then better. But um, it it does give you somewhat of a sack outlet if need be. Yeah. Uh, and I. I'm honestly surprised that there's only two in this deck, but I, I like I get it. Um, I think that's a product of I had to only having to. Yeah, yeah. I 
I get that as well. <laughs> um, a, num- a number of the cards, like when I built the deck, it was built around the cards that I had. So uh, while it runs nicely, um, I will say like Skyhunter Patrol or Skyhunter Skirmisher, mm-hmm. I'm confident I could probably find better flying cats. Yeah. You know, and go out and, and buy them. But I haven't. So. Yeah. It's just, you know, I put the deck together. I've run it. It's fun. Uh, I will make some changes at some point. But, uh, you yeah. know, for the longest time, I wanted to play it out a few times just to see how it's going to go. And now that I have, you know, you get yeah, lazy. It's, it's, it's made some, some wacky interactions for sure. It definitely and has. I love that not a single creature in this deck is not a cat Um, yes yeah we we've talked about plenty of our favorite cards in this deck yeah um i think we have to to knock this deck down a few pegs or at least look toward the future of what this deck could be especially since i mean if you had uh built the deck back in 2019 uh it's been you know a number of years since then um there's there's definitely upgrades that can be done um oh yeah but to do that you'd need to need to take cards out what uh what are we looking at here all right so i think the the two the the, the two most obvious cards are hank you uh i've got two copies of it there i mean sure it only costs one to play but it's four to equip and then you have Woof. to tap a creature to put a counter on it and then you can tap the creature again to remove the counter and do that much damage. So yeah, if, one you've got, creature, yeah. if you've got 12 turns, boy, this could be ugly. But who does? And you're only trying to yeah. kill a rat. So you're going to spend one mana and then four and then tap a creature. And then tap that same it. creature again to actually do one point of damage. That's nuts. This is garbage. This card should come out. <laughs> It just it got put in there because I wanted four four ways to do a point of damage to my opposing creatures. Yeah, um, obviously this has just got to go. Yeah, the other one is a bit of a surprise. I would dump uh, Nizan and Hammer of Nizan. Hmm. Um, the number of times I've needed to search for an equipment, it, it just doesn't happen because you're not really hmm. ever searching for Hank you. And even replacing Hanky with Viridian Longbow, I'm not going to use... Right. I, I don't need a six-mana tutor <laughs> to find to find an equipment. Um, on top of that, I'm not a big fan of tutors to begin with, so mm-hmm. there's that. I appreciate that it's in there to ramp up the crazy from Helm of the Host or Blade of Selves. Um, but honestly, if I can take Nizan and the Hammer of Nizan out, I could add one more of each of those. Yeah. I mean, with uh, with Commander Legends, we had uh, Armored Sky Hunter come out. I think this would be a good addition for the deck. Uh, it's three and a white. It's a 3-3 three, three flyer. Creature Cat Knight. Uh, whenever Armored Sky Hunter attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put an aura or equipment card from among them onto the battlefield. If an equipment is put onto the battlefield this way, you may attach it to a creature you control. Put the rest of those cards on the bottom of your library in the random order. So, uh, it's it's pretty sweet for uh, a replacement effect of or a replacement of uh, Nizan, um, still keeping to the cat theme, but also 
you know, if you have... So the thing the thing here is, you know, if you have Blade of Selves or uh, Helm of the Host is the thing. You've already gone past attack, so, like, it's not super helpful in that combat, but you just got it for free. So, like, <laughs> it's great. Uh, and then, obviously, if you use it for... If you find Hammer and Nazan, then any time you play a... a uh, equipment it attaches uh because that's what that card does um yeah and that would uh it also assists because i only have two flying cats and that's mm. just there's a there's a handful of games when that just demo when it's been demonstrated pretty clearly that that's not enough <laughs> so um adding another uh another flying cat knight uh i think is a, a good thing you know we keep finding all these cards in commander legends and you know, I've still got like two boxes of it downstairs. That I have a crack. <laughs> it just gets harder and harder to hang oh, yeah, in there. Definitely. Yeah. So, if you're looking to build this deck, there's a couple of other ones that you can obviously optimize. Um, I think a fourth copy of Shields of Velispell probably isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's necessary. I always look at, at look at it when I'm building a sixty card casual deck as. If you're putting four copies of it in, it means you want it in your opening hand. And I don't necessarily want Shields of Velisfell in my opening hand. Um, it does something when the other cards are in place and ready. Otherwise, your creatures are just getting a bonus on the back end. And that's all it's doing. And mm. a lot of times that's just not enough. Like, that's not what I want. So... Um, so that's why there's only three, but you know, you, you could run four. It wouldn't be a horrible thing. Um, the same goes with Altar of Dementia. Uh, there's only three copies of it in this deck. You probably could go four without too much of a downside, but again, it's a card that I don't necessarily want in the opening hand just because it's not doing anything. I think um, as as I'm learning more about trying to figure out how many copies of things to put in, I would say three is probably the, the correct number. I think putting in four uh, adds in redundancy so that like, yeah. if you if you end up drawing one and the fact that the fact is generally nobody's going to remove it unless it's mass uh, removal yeah. of artifacts uh, or if you're really going off with it. Right. Uh, and so drawing one while one's <clears throat> on the board is uh, is a dead card. So I think three may be the sweet spot. Um, I, I I also found another uh, maybe a possible one of in yeah. this deck because it has red in it. But uh, in M twenty one, there was a big dog cat theme yeah. card, uh, thing. Rin and Sari inseparable. One okay. red, green, white. Uh, so it it does add red, which is a little bit more prohibitive. Uh, it's uh, a 4-4, four, four, and it says whenever you cast a dog spell, create a 1-1 one, one green cat creature token, which generally not going to happen. Whenever you cast a cat spell, create a 1-1 one, one white dog creature token, which uh, uh, I'll, I guess I'll finish the card first. Red, green, white, tap. Ren and Siri, uh, inseparable, deals damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control. You gain life equal to the number of cats you control, which... As you may have noticed, we don't really have many dogs in this deck, but... <clears throat> Unless we all have of your... all of them. Exactly. Unless they're all dog rat 
cat creatures. Uh, so just a, just an interesting thing. Uh, Scard is a little bit more on the expensive side in terms of price, but I think it could do a cool thing if you've got one. Part of the ramp package includes two copies of Gaia's Bounty. A lot of people would say no to this card because it doesn't put a land into play. It doesn't mm -hmm. put it onto the battlefield. All it does is it finds two forests. And I only have one copy of, copy of Nature's Lore, and people would say, look, if that's where you want to go, then do use three copies of Nature's Lore. Um, yes and no. Uh, hmm. I'm not looking to ramp huge with this deck, um, but uh, what I did run was four copies of Canopy Vista, and Canopy Vista is a Forest Plains. So uh, it means Gaia's Bounty is almost always going to find a Canopy Vista. Uh, there's also mm. two Temple Gardens, so it can find a Temple Garden as well. So there are plenty of Forest Plains out in and this And Sepsied Forest, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I would almost say run... Like, Gaia's Touch has been one of my favorite cards recently yeah. that I've been looking at. Um, it's it's a green, green enchantment, and you may put an additional land into play during each of your turns, but it has to be specifically a basic forest, which obviously there's only, like, seven in this yeah. deck. Uh, so maybe this isn't the right place for it. But um, your first one doesn't have to be a basic forest. Yeah. Um, and you can always... Uh, it has a second line of text, which is uh, sacrifice this enchantment to add two green uh, in case you need that right boost. Or if you've just run out of forests to play, then it gives you that extra little... It gives you... It, you're recycling your green mana. You're getting it back right. from when you played it the first time. Uh, yeah, so... But... I mean, that, was, that was the reason it's there. Um, you can definitely improve the ramp. I mean, you can improve the ramp package. Just run... Uh, run three copies of Cultivate instead of the Bounty hmm. and the Lore and go and find a Plains, uh, a plains and a Forest. And then yeah. you're getting both of the mana that you need. Um, so it, it's not... Uh, yeah. It, it, again, this is not an optimal setup. I think it was a more a case of, ooh, I found this card. I haven't played it. Let me try this. Uh, and it's, it's working it, well enough. that It's working great, no honestly. So. Um. I, yeah, there's very little I would change about this deck. I mean, we've already talked about what we would. Mm -hmm. um, but I think overall, this deck uh, holds its own uh, fairly well. Um, and I, it's just, it's so fun to watch happen. Um, and, like, I mean, I I love the ramp package because I feel like you know, especially ramp packages in a lot of decks that I see end up being very homogenous. Uh, you know, there's there's always this talk about Commander, specifically, uh, becoming a homogenous format. Obviously, we're dealing with a 60-card deck here, um, which honestly would you'd think would probably make that ramp package a little bit more homogenous in terms of like, oh, like, well, like, these cards are clearly the best ramp cards. Uh, so like, you know, now you can have four copies of two of them or whatever. Um, so I always love looking at RAM packages and 60 card decks to see what little things people change to make it suit their deck better. Um, I mean, you know, Mirari's Wake, you obviously, like these cards, you clearly 
chose because yeah. you had them. Right. You looked at you looked at your green cards, and you looked at your white cards, and were like, "All right, got some ramp done." Yeah. Uh, you didn't overthink it. You didn't think about optimizing it. Uh, you just chose them because they were sitting there. Uh, and I mean, Gaia's bounty doesn't get a lot of play, uh, and so like seeing how it would work in a deck before discounting it uh, is just always nice to see. Right. Um, Anything else you want to say about this deck before we wrap it up? As bizarre as it is, because this is one of my newer decks, it really hasn't been touched since 2019. So uh, feel free to go back uh, through the last two years of cards. You're going to find cards that could comfortably go in this deck. You're also going to find other cards that, it's like when you ask yourself, well, why wouldn't you put that, put that in there? I mean, Brimaz is not in here. He makes mm. cats. Uh, they could easily be sacked to the altar, just like a lot of the other cards that are in here. Um, but he's not. Uh, you know, uh, this is a this is a deck that has a few key components, and then I think the rest of it is sort of up to your imagination. However, you want to make it work, um, and uh, I, you know, I encourage you to check out check out what's out there, and you know, mess around with it a little bit. Um, think the the hungry links and shields of velas vel all by themselves or even just the hungry links and a mirror entity it works uh it works when you want it so um it, you know yeah give it a shot it is build around it i mean all, it's the all, heart of this deck yeah and uh it's i mean if anything it's the the immovable part of this deck everything else is everything else is can fair come game. and go uh, can come and go and we would love to see what any of you uh, could build around this specific, I guess, for a lack of a better term, combo. I mean, they're 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 synergized. They've got a synergy between them that really works very well, and uh, we'd love to see what any of you could do with it. Um, right. Anyway, I think that's gonna do it for us today. Um. Give uh give all your cats a little scritch on the head for me, uh, and send send us all your favorite cat pictures. We'd love to see them. Uh, but we're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our cats sure as heck are fun. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, meow 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 meow. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andy. I'm Bruce. Thank you again. Uh, may your fifth land be the temple. No! <laughs> wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Manaburned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!